this is how you can build your own style and uh, this is how you can learn in a really fast way because the process uh, that i undertake it took me about eight years to ten years Hey, Vicky Hunters, welcome back to the Art of Photography podcast, where we share photographers' journey and passion and how photography gives them hope, purpose, and happiness. And today we have someone very special um, to be part of this podcast, someone who have done this for a long, long time and have been an inspiration to my journey as well. Um, Daniel Corden. How are you, Daniel? Welcome to Bali. Um, I know you're just settling in here in uh, in the island of God. So, uh, but very good to have you in the island. How how are you? Yeah, hi Stanley. I'm good actually. Settled already. Getting used to live in Bali in the tropics, and uh, continue exploring Indonesia. I was here first time uh, in 2019, and I really loved it here. And the family loved it here. Well, it's the sun, the ocean, and so many beautiful places. Like almost 17 uh, plus thousand islands in Indonesia. So I have to explore lots of them and exploring Southeast Asia in general. It was a long lasting dream for me as well, because I covered a lot Europe and America, but in Asia, there's still a lot to explore to photograph. So I think it's a good base for me for upcoming year, at least for my nomadic life. So I plan to stay here for one year and yeah, will inspire you more with some photos from Indonesia and well southeast asia in general yeah i mean um i saw some some of your photos from the island already and you know around indonesia and um you know you covered it um very quickly so um you know that's that's awesome to see some of um those places um to be taken by someone like you with a different perspective it's it's always refreshing um so you've been in this industry a very long time um you know but what really started um your journey have you always been wanted to be a photographer or is there uh, a story behind that well of course there is always a story behind uh, some long way and uh, the story for me it started of course uh, at my house and uh, my neighborhood i think most of the photographers they do the same they just start exploring from their backyard in general yeah they go to the forest they go to the mountains whatever they have near their house and this is how i started when I was 17 years old, 17, maybe 16 years old, I was just uh, wandering in the wild in nature. I was uh, grown up in uh, Russia, in Moscow region. So it was beautiful forests and beautiful lakes. It was a nice playground. So I was uh, just uh, taught by myself for photography. I was also attending the painting school at the time when I was a student. And I guess it helped also a lot to just understand the color, the color management in uh, photography later as well to be bold with colors not to be afraid to use uh, some colors and editing in my landscapes and uh, travel photography as well so i guess many photographers will do the same they just start uh, with their backyard start practicing and then they build career build portfolio and start traveling uh, outside as well yep yeah, so um, it's it's actually very different for me. I um, I started photography because of travel, so <laughs> it's actually land away from my home that that got me started. So that's really interesting, and you know, like that the the back back uh, your back your own backyard inspired to be a photographer because most people take that for granted. So I think that's really cool. Um, was there like a particular moment within you know that that time where 
um, you feel you know that photography makes you happy and you know you want to do that for longer or is it just you know um, you just kind of know um, ever since you start photography like um, I know you share a little bit about exploring the backyard but how do you start photography itself well it's uh, always kind of struggle of course uh, because the first steps we make you can't really earn uh, on your photography you're more like investors so you're buying your cameras buying the gear you just investing uh, in the in the flight so just uh, yeah go somewhere yes the first steps uh, you basically spend more money than uh, you're earning on photography so it was uh, always just a hobby a passion for me and it's still a, a hobby a passion i can't even now i can't tell that it's kind of professional or it becomes like a routine work you know so it's still a passion until now and uh, well there was a certain moment when i started uh, earning a little bit on photography but that mo was more on some commercial projects like portrait studio maybe even some wedding so it was this like mark on my history with <laughs> wedding photography as well so i was just a student and uh, earning some money but that gave me some good practice how to choose all the settings compositions how to edit images so it just uh, was really really good practice for me but uh, yeah, slowly I started uh, also organizing some workshops around the world and uh, was one of the first uh, persons who actually make the workshops. We were just, uh, it was not mainstream at all. Uh, we just knew all the people actually who make workshops, photography workshops that time. So it was around 11 years ago, 11 or 10 years. Now there are just literally thousands of people and influencers who are making this. But since then, uh, it's grown up in a huge business. I'm uh, partnering with uh, Iceland Photo Tours with my good friend Yuri Bilgurski. And uh, we have about 45 uh, destinations in our portfolio. So before pandemic, we had about 4,000 uh, clients per year. So 4,000 photographers per year joining our photography tours. But pandemic hit, uh, and then we changed a bit the things. I make uh, online courses, online education. So now I have uh, 16,000 students in my online courses. So it's also grown up uh, quite a lot when people joined the metaverse and joined uh, online courses. So who knows uh, where next year or this year will take us, but we'll see. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Damn, that's a lot of students. Uh, you've taught a lot of people. That's that's crazy. Um, you know, it's uh, I mean, this is good to show. You know how how great and how much people love your photography and how inspiring they are. Because um, you know, <laughs> otherwise there won't be that many people following your footstep. You know, um, as well as being inspired by your photography. Um, what do you love the most about photography um, in general or in landscape photography? And actually, um, I forgot to say, I I, I would love to see your wedding photo, like wedding photography photos. <laughs> that would be so cool. I, I totally I, deleted uh, all the website and everything, but I, I can try to dig, uh, especially for you, if you come to Manila in Bali, I will oh. show you in private, you know. Oh, I hope you're a pleasure. <laughs> just kidding, but, but I can try to find uh, if, you, if you really want, want it. I could never imagine yeah. you should, uh, you know, because every time I see that, even when you should landscape, a lot of them are very um, intimate landscape, um, you know, very clean, um, no mm -hmm. people and human figure. You do have some of those as well. But um, yeah, so it'd be interesting. I would love to see them. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, yeah. I built quite a big business on that because uh, I was doing that for like three or four years. And last years, I was uh, shooting weddings in France and Italy. 
when I was like 22, 23 years old, I was still in university on my PhD and was just sneaking out to like France to the wedding to, to shoot for like uh, four or five thousand bucks. So it was a good addition to my salary as a <laughs> as a PhD student that earned two hundred dollars per month. <laughs> so that's really fun. So, yeah. so, so what makes you love photography? You know, if there is, uh, is there a one thing that makes you love photography or is there a lot of things that make you fall in love with photography in general? Well, uh, in general, <laughs> what I like about uh, photography and landscape yeah, in particular is the people. So you can ask me why people in landscape, yeah, but uh, it's the people who joining my workshops the people who I meet. Uh, well, we talk with you right now, so we also kind of inspiring each other. Right? So it's a community of people that uh, just come together. This is not just uh, like I'm myself a lonely wolf. No, it's just uh, like I'm making fun for myself, you know, <laughs> all the time I'm entertaining myself and the people around and educating them as well. So you always meet with uh, some amazing people and you have something in common. You have in common the passion to the nature, to photography, compositions. So this is what I love about landscape. It's just uh, inspiring each other. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, uh, if I didn't come across your profile back then, I might not be where I am today. So <laughs> you definitely have inspired, um, you know, other photographers. Um, so, um, you know, you've been to a lot of places in, in, in the world, right? Um, how, do you, have you ever counted them? How many, how many countries have you ever been? No, really, I'm not counting countries, yeah. but I have favorite places that I return all the time, like Indonesia, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I was going to yeah, say, like, is there like, you know, any particular place that really hits home and keep taking you back to those places? Um, I know it's, it's Indonesia so one many. of them. <laughs> there are so many of them, but uh, uh, there are a few places in particular that uh, really return every year. It's like Patagonia or Greenland or Antarctica. So all the, these three places, it's something that maybe part of my soul, my heart is left there. And uh, well, always taking workshops uh, these places like East Italy, Tuscany as well. I love it a lot just because you feel amazing there because landscape is always beautiful or you always struggle in Patagonia with the conditions, but eventually you uh, just uh, get rewarded by just some fantastic lenticular clouds and flaming skies and I don't know, beautiful Puma or Guanacas in the frame against the mountains. And the same for Greenland. In Greenland, we developed an absolutely amazing tour with red sails, red sails in Greenland. And it became uh, kind of viral. It just, it's one of my our most uh, favorite tours in portfolio. Let's say this summer, we sell already 16 tours. So 16 tours from June to September. They're fully booked. We already started uh, accepting uh, people for next year. But that's pretty much uh, 16 tours per uh, 16 people each tour. So that's more than 250 people this summer. I need to guide some of them. And we already have some guides for workshops uh, in late August, September. I just I can't <laughs> just guide all of them myself. But we have local guides and uh, some good friends that uh, help us a lot uh, 
educating people on the stories as well. But it's really romantic when you have red sails and you just going among all the icebergs and midnight sun. The sun just never sets there and just rolls from the horizon for like five, six hours. So you can imagine like six hours nonstop of the flaming skies, reflections of the icebergs, some whales and seals on the ice. It's a really incredible place. I just uh, can go there forever. <laughs> That is amazing. You know, just uh, you explaining it. Um, I know you have a collection and I have checked out your NFT collection on the red sales and they're just so breathtaking. But, you know, just listen that, um, listening to that, you know, it's, it's so sounded already breathtaking without looking at the photo. Uh, but yeah, uh, I highly encourage those who listen, you know, to check out um, his um, NFT collection on OpenSea and um, on the red sales. And the link will be on um, the description. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, how does how does that come about? Is it is it is the other boat? Uh, do you have like two kind of boats, or is it most of the boats there have red sails, or how does that work? And um, yeah, yeah, these uh, boats they belong to the tour company, so these are our boats basically, and uh, we're using two sailing boats to make specifically for them uh, red sails and uh, well, just uh, bringing them for every season for every summer. That is cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, Green Greenland is actually one of my top bucket list to go to. I really want to explore the Greenland. It sounds so amazing. Um, so you've been to a lot of these places multiple times, right? Like you say, Patagonia, you go there almost every year. Um, well, you say every year as well as the other two places. Um, you know, when you go to the same place over and over again, it can be um, kind of re like boring and, you know, feel like you know it all and it doesn't excite you anymore because it's predictable, you know what's going to happen. Um, but I feel like every time you, um, you, you take a photo of those new places or, or I should say of those old places that you've been to, you manage to come up with something different, something unique something fresh, something exciting. How, how does, um, take us through, how do you come out with that, you know, um, so that people who are photographers who kind of feel like they've been to this place over and over again and get bored with it, um, can get inspired and learn from um, what, you know, you've done as well as what you do in travel photography. Well, uh, first of all, uh, you're completely right that, let's say, if you go to the same place and uh, make, let's say, workshop after workshop, it also becomes quite boring. Like, uh, I just decided for myself, I will not go myself uh, myself to the places, but I will just put my guides or local photography guides uh, who can take people in the company. So you just don't need to be caught on a hook, you know, and you're caught like a fish and you just keep doing the uh, kind of uh, job so it becomes more like uh, not you're losing passion yeah it becomes uh, like office work uh, let's say um, i loved like example yeah i loved uh, a lot provence in france for the first visit but already the second the third visit in provence it's the same conditions it's the blue sky the same blue sky the same lavender fields the same like herds of tourists in the fields and it becomes really boring so i just decided okay i will just will not go there yeah, so I'm going to the places where uh, conditions are always different. Let's say that's why I'm going to Greenland or Patagonia, because every time you go there, uh, conditions are totally different. And in Patagonia, you have all these lenticular clouds, you have storms, and uh, the light is 
really, really different all the time. And you're just uh, adapting to it, you're chasing the light, and that's challenging. So without any challenges, uh, it becomes quite boring as well. So you're hunting for the light. Maybe it's, it's, it's the same compositions that you've seen already the previous visit, but the light may be different and uh, conditions are different. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also, uh, how not to lose passion in this work. Uh, uh, basically, I try to make, let's say, one workshop, then after workshop, there will be exploration. So let's say I make one week of uh, education, because during workshops, I just barely have time for myself. I'm always with people, just uh, communicating with them. And another week after workshop, it might be exploration of some new places around this area. Let's say next year I can go to Patagonia, I can guide some workshops. And after that, I go to Patagonian fjords to the other side of uh, Torres del Paine. Let's say, yeah, so it's a new place for me, new area. And I'm just excited to explore it. So always keep, keeps me excited as well. So, um, you know, you, you, take, you do a workshop, you do online course, and you also do exploration. And you've just, uh, by the way, congratulations on your new board. And you know you have kids and family. How do you find the time and balance all that? And I know as a photographer as well, um, you know that's not it, right? You still have to do all your accounting, all your other marketing, social media. So how do you find all that and have time for each single one of them? Yeah, it's just all about uh, balancing, as you mentioned this word, uh, balance, right? So let's say. I can go for two or three weeks outside and uh, some other workshop or another exploration. And then I spend uh, the same time with family, like two or three weeks with family. But this is kind of quality time. So you uh, not just uh, outside in the office and just come tired, exhausted in the evening, but it's a quality time. So you go hanging out somewhere, you're just playing some games. So this, this is much better than uh, actually having the permanent job and uh, coming back absolutely exhausted uh, of your office work. So this is uh, how it is. It's just trying to balance the whole year. And uh, I can put myself my time. So I'm uh, the owner of my time. So there is no one uh, just ahead of me telling me, okay, you must work two or three months nonstop. You must go for three months out there. So I can easily just check my calendar and uh, book all the next year, just very carefully balancing week by week, uh, day by day, where I'm going, uh, how much time I'm staying back at home with family. And yeah, it's all about balance. Like uh, the same with composition of photography, the same as it's your composition of your life. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love how you draw, um, you know, metaphor to photography because uh, I feel like, you know, from photography, there's a lot of life lessons as well. Um, you know, one of the things that I learned from photography is being able to have a pay, uh, passions patience, I should say, not passion, um, as well as passion, of course. But yeah, it's it's cool um, that, you know, balance is something that's really difficult to find and you seem um, to be doing it very well. So before you started photography, you mentioned you were a student as well and you were studying PhD as well. What, what, what were they on? Um, what were you studying to become before photography? Yeah, so before photography, I was studied physics actually and uh, i was studied um, quantum physics in particular in my university in moscow so i actually didn't finish the phd so in the third uh, year already i was doing a lot of photography a lot of commercial projects and i had a family so it just uh, didn't work out for me to 
finish it because there's some complications in Russia about the science. It's just uh, people didn't pay paid um, they're not paid uh, enough to sustain the living. So you have the choice: either you're making some business or you just going out of the country in Switzerland or USA. And it was hard with already little kids uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, that's really interesting because uh, photography is not really, uh, a, you know, a, a job that people think you know would jump into to make a living um, because it is a difficult way to make a living. Uh, mm-hmm. What made you decide to um, you know do that full time instead of um, sticking with your PhD? Uh, that was not really a just decision in one day like this. I was just slowly going to this point where I can abandon uh, the work, the job that I do. I have some small businesses like in uh, website design and website programming as well that helped me a bit to invest in photography as well. But at a certain moment, I just see that uh, I had portfolio already. I had some workshops going on and they started bringing more money. So I just... Uh, seat and uh, decided to make a little bit more workshops adding adding a little bit uh, more tours every year and well this is how i started uh, building all the workshop portfolio this is how i started to make it full-time but at first stage uh, i guess for most of us it will be really challenging and hard to earn on photography you just need to keep trying and there are many possibilities now it's not like it was 10 years ago without social media then uh, now you have online education, you have NFTs, you have uh, work with brands, hotels, with air companies, whatever. So now possibilities that uh, uh, they're just much, much better than it was 10 years ago in photography. But still there is a lot of competition, uh, like good competition as well, with young travelers, young people who are willing to travel. So you just need to be very active and, uh, well, keep it going, keep it running every day. That's it. Yeah, um, I love how you mentioned that because I know a lot of people kind of ask me, you know, it's like, how do you do this? I was like, man, there's literally so many ways to make a living, um, you know, be just traveling or being a photographer. Uh, it's just a matter of which one you want to do. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, I think that that is uh, a confirmation for a lot of people um, that it's possible to do this. So um, that's really cool. Um, and, you know, out of this this journey that you had so far, what would be the hardest time of your journey? Um, is there a time where you felt like you want to give up and, you know, you want to um, either go back to, you know, your physics um, degree or try something else at all? Well, of course, uh, there are some uh, ups and downs like for all the people and uh, there are many in my career as well, because sometimes you just travel for months and you get so exhausted. And uh, then there are crazy times like pandemic or now there's a war between Russia and Ukraine. And uh, well, I, I was living in Russia and needed basically to abandon my country. We still have the dog there in my house. And well, my grandparents are still looking for our animals, the dog, the cat, and we thinking how to move them as well to Bali. But and some terrible things uh, going on in the world uh, as well. And uh, sometimes it's just sad to think about uh, these things, but you can't do you can't do much. Yeah, you can help maybe I have some 
also uh, some charity projects as well. It was uh, a few years ago, it was about climate change, about uh, also I have a campaign, uh, Prince for the Planet, also where we donated for uh, growing, growing up the trees uh, as well. And now also have some NFT project for uh, to help the Ukrainian refugees as well. So just trying to help little by little to the world as well. Maybe just a small drop uh, in the ocean. But if everyone will make a small drop, maybe we'll bring the water back again. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I love how you say that. I know a lot of people kind of say you know someone else can you know do it for me but you're right you know um if everyone just give a little bit of drop you know it, it will make a lot more difference so i'm glad that you say that and i'm sorry you have to go through that but um I, it's it's really good that you are giving back to the community as well as to the world uh with your successes so um you know i think that's 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 really good thing to see from someone who make that you or who who already become successful in in what you do so that's that's really cool and um all right this this might be really hard for you because i'm sure you have a lot of successes if there was um one moment of your journey that you're most proud of what would that be and why <laughs> well the, i think from the beginning uh uh, there are a lot of moments like this when you're just starting uh, photography because even, uh, let's say, I remember my first uh, kind of salary for uh, my first photo shoot. I was shooting some concert uh, in university and uh, organizers, they presented me a cake. So I was so happy. I get paid by the cake. <laughs> for the, for, yeah, for this job, you know. <laughs> and then uh, just the first image that you actually sell for money, and then the first contract you get for some bigger project. And then uh, the thing that really make me happy, uh, also it's the first international, one of the first actually international uh, job because Apple bought uh, some of my images for uh, MacBook Pro presentations and desktop. So still I was uh, out in USA and I see my image on every billboard when uh, Apple just released the new MacBook Pro. It was like, the 2013 or so so about nine years ago so i it was just a kind of big achievement then i don't do much of the photography competitions myself just don't have much time uh, for that but i feel really proud of my students right now because there are a lot of people visiting my workshops and uh, i see the success and uh, it really makes me happy let's say some person can be just some office worker and uh, in some banking and then he visited workshop uh, got inspired and it changed his life so uh, i already have a few students guiding uh, workshops and lending some amazing deals so they quit their job and well they do what they love to do now photography and also guiding also educating people so i'm really proud of uh, these people also a lot of students that make some uh, exhibitions as well, some charity exhibitions in uh, London and New York recently. So it was very nice, very proud of them. That is cool. That is really cool. Um, I think that's the one thing that I really love about teaching others is when they can um, you know, succeed um, and get inspired by you. And you know, I mean, your photography are just such an inspiration. Um, like every time I look at your 
photo, right? I would try to dissect it and I would go like, man, I wouldn't have thought, you know, using that grass that just looked like a bush that's, uh, you know, annoyed the hell out of me um, as a foreground. And I was just like, how did you make that look good? You make the simplest thing look good. Um, and that's just incredible. Um, is there any um, photography workflow when you, you know, when you, when you go explore, right? You don't really know what you're, um, what, what's going to come up in, in front of you. Um, is there any um, a workflow or uh, um, like, you know, uh, things that you go through when you um, try to compose your photography? Yeah, the main tip I can give here is uh, when you're at location, you just need to look uh, under your feet. So you already have uh, some amazing landscape. Let's say it can be waterfall. It can be, I don't know, Mount Broma is in Java. Yeah, but then, okay, you can make this postcard without any foregrounds, without this three-dimensional thing. But it makes a difference if you just frame it with some really stunning three-dimensional and uh, interesting foreground. And as you say, it must not be chaotic. It must be simple, must be easy readable. That's why I'm trying to get a bit closer to the foreground. Let's say it might be some flowers, it might be leaves, it may be some just bush of grass, but you must be really close to that object on the foreground. Sometimes I'm just as close as about 30, 40 centimeters, even closer. And this helps to simplify the composition as well, because you're not including, let's say, the whole bush of flowers, like hundreds of flowers, but you come there, you look carefully, you find like three, five flowers, maybe just one flower. Yeah, and uh, be really close to them. This is how you compose. Yeah, I definitely number one. I, mm -hmm. I definitely learned that a lot from watching you, um, you know, your photography and, uh, you know, that foreground, you just managed to find the coolest foreground. So that's, um, that's really cool to hear from you um, as a, an instructor. And um, mm -hmm. when you're looking at the, um, you know, the, the photography and you say get really close, does that mean you really like a wide angle lens and you do a lot of focus stacking on your, on your photography? Yeah, I do a lot of focus stacking and uh, a lot of wide angle, but of course, I'm just taking with me all the three lenses I have. It's 1424, 2470, and 70-200. So sometimes you also need to be like director of the movie, right? Not just the wide angle scenes, but some details, small nature patterns. And it's kind of boring also if you have the same just wide angle shots everywhere, but you also need to just concentrate on details, small things. And then drone photography is my passion as well. I just caught myself on the thought that maybe 30 to 40% of my portfolio now is made with a drone. It's just another dimension, especially in Indonesia. It's like paradise for the drone. The rules are very easy here. I can fly almost everywhere in Indonesia. So I'm using DJI Mavic 3 Cine Combo for my flights already. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, no, um, Indonesia is definitely the drone paradise. Um, I remember when I left Indonesia, I just sold my drone. Coming to Canada is just too difficult. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So you've got a lot of gear, um, you know, with you. Just mentioned um, about four lenses, a body and a drone. Um, how, how do you prioritize what you bring on your back? Or do you always have a massive bag on your back? Always. <laughs> That's a big problem. <laughs> this is my cross I'm carrying through all these years. There's nothing to do. Even switching to mirrorless two years ago, it didn't help much because their weight is pretty much the same as it was before. 
uh, yeah. Is that right? Um, yeah, I, I, I know that feeling because um, I've never hiked. Well, I think there's only one hike, which is my very first hike before I got into photography. No, actually, even that. Um, I'd never hike without a camera and, you know, <laughs> massive bag. So I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, it's, it is, uh, it's, it's a good workout though for us. So <laughs> um, going forward, what are, um, you know, what are your uh, project or do you have any project or any um, exploration that you want to do coming forward? Um, is there anything that are on top of your bucket list? Yeah, in particular, uh, I moved to Indonesia, you know, and uh, it's like a paradise for me as well. So I'm planning to explore Southeast Asia. There are a lot of countries I've never been to, like Vietnam or Thailand. I've been there like for family vacations, but uh, let's say for photography, I've never been to Vietnam, Thailand, never been to Australia as well for landscape photography. And well, flying from Bali, it's, it's really easy to all of these countries. Even flying to India or Pakistan, it's uh, Japan is relatively easy uh, from this side of the world. So this is uh, where I'm, I will try for, to concentrate for the next year. And Indonesia itself, it's like so many islands, yeah, so many places to, to see, to explore. Just uh, after tomorrow, I'm actually going for a two-day trip to Lampung to uh, shoot at uh, Gigi Hill at the Shark Teeth uh, Beach. Because it will be also pretty amazing Milky Way out there. So next uh, two days, there will be no moon. In the night and we'll try to shoot both sunsets and rise in the milky way in the shark teeth beach that's awesome yeah uh lampung i actually never been there myself so uh that's that's really cool um what what are your um you know workflow on finding these places is there um any particular things that you look or that excites you to go to those places because you know, um, Lampung might be beautiful, but I'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of other places that just like Lampung, that's beautiful as well. What make you choose some of these places that you go for exploration? Well, that's uh, kind of, uh, some places are kind of epic. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like uh, Gigi Hill, Lampung, they're offering a lot of compositions and uh, just uh, the result might be quite amazing, but uh it's a nice question about where the inspiration comes from yeah to make a choice and uh, mostly the inspiration comes from local photographers so you just uh what they do is just sign up for local photographers and watch their feed and trying to communicate with them make friends let's say um, i went already in denpasar a few times just to meet and hang out with local photography community well, they kind of, let's say, spoiled with uh, photography in Bali, but they can always suggest some new places and some different places outside. So when you talk to them, you they show some locations, places, they can suggest you some local drivers. And this is also how uh, our workshops are working. So we're not just uh, kind of aliens in uh, in totally different world. Yeah, but I'm trying to hire always hire local photographers local drivers local guides so giving uh, also uh, back to photography local photography community and involving them in the work with international clients as well so i think it's kind of good idea it's a bad idea than uh, just inviting uh, photographers from europe or usa to guide in bali so let's say my workshops in june in indonesia they will be also just with local guides local uh, licensed drivers so everything is kind of official and just giving people well-needed job after the pandemic 
Absolutely. I think that's really awesome that you did that um, or doing that because, um, you know, a lot of times uh, the local community doesn't really get um, a lot of um, from that, you know, from the tours and stuff. So um, I think it's really cool that you, you give that um, job opportunities to, to these local people, especially in places like Bali, where, you know, um, it's, it's been hit really hard. So, um, you know, you, you did a lot of workshop um, in, uh, I mean, you know, what one of your main stream of income is workshop. Um, I, 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 I assume, is that correct? Well, it depends because you need to be like a Swiss knife man and uh, your income just comes from different uh, things like workshops and uh, online education and also work with brands as brand ambassador or uh, some contracts with uh, also tourist boards of uh, different countries. So you always need to be responsive, open for just new opportunities and uh, just work in a totally different way. Like uh, NFTs uh, also worked out uh, pretty well in the beginning of the year. Last year, it's a little bit slowing down, uh, but I hope it will come back to life uh, soon. So NFT might be also the future of uh, photography and art in general. So I'm trying to be active in the community. It's hard to sustain, of course, uh, all the fields like education workshops and NFTs, but still trying to be everywhere, just, just a little bit. <laughs> That's that's cool. Um, you know, I was gonna ask how um, how the pandemic kind of impacted your uh, your photography, but I think you've answered that really well by you know having different ways of income. And you know, um, it's I think that's important for people to consider not to put their you know um, uh, eggs in one basket. So that's that's really cool to hear. And um, talking about NFT, it's something that's uh, very hit, something that's very um, coming up, right? Something that just got popularized. Uh, what's what's your thought of NFT and uh, why did you start an NFT collection or got into NFT in the first place? Well, I think NFT is the future of uh, everything we have because looking at uh, what's happening, people already start uh, selling and buying houses with NFT smart contracts, houses, cars, and uh, uh, I think air companies and uh, just booking companies will also soon implement uh, NFTs as the form of payment and the form of really, really amazing and simple smart contract. Yeah, and uh, even now people uh, buy for my tours in uh, <laughs> in crypto, so there is an option to just uh, also transfer money, transfer payment for the tour in uh, in crypto as well. We're just open for it. And yeah, regarding photography, it's also quite amazing. I see that even people who just started photography last year or two years ago, if they're active in the community, they're quite successful and they're earning uh, quite good money. So the only thing you just need to be super open, active, and well, you'll succeed. That's a really good advice. All right. Well, um, you know, I'm, um, we've talked for uh, quite some time now and, um, you know, I, I know you're a busy man and you have family as well. So I'm not going to keep you up much longer. Uh, but uh, something that I always ask my, um, you know, um, my guests in the podcast is if there is one advice, whether it's life advice or photography advice that you could give to other that, you know, that you learn yourself uh, through this journey, what would that be? I think it will be <laughs> the advice uh, that I actually myself didn't take in attention, the first steps. 
because there was almost no possibility about that. This advice will be to learn from online courses or maybe workshops from other photographers, because now most of uh, uh, photographers, like master of photographers, they are releasing their courses, online courses, online education, and they put a lot in there. Like, let's say myself, I released a few courses and really put there everything the person needs to know, like from composing shots to editing the pictures. And if you study these courses, if you, let's say, try to repeat the style on some of the samples and some of your own images, let's say you can repeat for like 50 times, 100 times. Okay, then you done with that, you remember that, and then you switch to another course. Another course, another photographer, you can take something from him as well. And then this is how you can build your own style. And uh, this is how you can learn in a really fast way. Because the process uh, that I undertake, it took me about eight years to 10 years to build a career when I'm paid, when I'm just uh, sustaining a good living with photography. But now I see that uh, people who really invest in these online courses, which are not very expensive, they can just the one course can be like uh, just part of the filter for your camera, right? But what matters most is not the equipment, it's your knowledge. Yeah, it doesn't matter which camera you use. As most people at the beginning, they ask about that. But what matters is your knowledge and your education. So to get it faster than eight or nine years, like I did, uh, we just dreamt of having uh, just watch some of uh, the courses of my fellow friends, my fellow photographers as well. And this is how you can accelerate this process maybe up to one year or two years. And I see really like life examples of uh, people who invested their time and a little bit of money and their knowledge, and they succeed really fast. So I guess that's it. That's, that's a really good advice. Um, you know, even for myself, when I first started, I didn't know where to start. And, um, you know, I don't have... I don't know any other photographer to follow or to ask questions to, but there was, you know, fortunately already YouTube, which, you know, YouTube wasn't out there um, back then. So that already accelerated my journey. Um, and I see that, you know, I like, for example, for business and internet marketing, I, so I just took the courses because it really shortcut your learning curve. So um, you're absolutely right. And I think it is the best advice that you can give others is to learn from other photographers or whatever their expertise may be. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, what is $100 or $200 or $2,000, right? That's that's their camera, like literally. And, you know, you can save years and years, like you say, you know, you spend at least eight years to get to, you know, a, a level where you are happy with. So. Wow, eight years is a long, long time. Many people, they also, they start, let's say, watching YouTube and they get lost because there's so much information out there. It, it doesn't have any system in there. And it works uh, totally opposite for the people. If uh, they say, okay, I have time, this pandemic, uh, many people did this and they start watching nonstop uh, information. It just comes in one year, comes out from another year because it doesn't have any system in there. So the difference of uh, uh, the courses that uh, usually photographers make, that there is a system and they make with, uh, with the love, the passion, and uh, just step by step. So this is the main difference. Yeah. It really well. Because um, I think, you know, now, like, you could find anything anywhere, right? But it's just how to find it. So you're right. Mm -hmm. People, a lot of people get overwhelmed and 
quit altogether. So that's a really good advice. Um, but Daniel, it's been, you know, a really good conversation. Love hearing your journey. Love hearing, you know, your perspective and the way you see the world uh, through your lens. Um, so for people who want to learn more about you or want to get in touch with you or even join your workshop or buy your online course, where can they find you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, there are two links. Uh, the link to my website is danielcordon.com. I have some tours that I uh, guide myself. Then uh, Iceland Photo Tours. It's for our main company, for main uh, photography business, uh, icelandphototours.com. And for online courses, it's uh, cordonlandscapes.com. So this is the main website for the courses. There are presets. There are online workshops. There are editing courses. So there's already quite a lot to see out there. Fantastic. Well... Daniel, thanks a lot for your time. Um, you know, it's been a good conversation and it's been very inspiring to hear your journey. So um, thanks a lot to be, um, you know, for coming and um, be part of this podcast and inspiring other people who may be in their journey or just get started in photography. That's my pleasure. So always happy to talk about my passion. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right, Wiki Hunters. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed, so um, feel um, make sure you hit the subscribe button. But also don't forget to check out Daniel's profile as well as his work. I know most of you would already know him, but if for whatever reason you've been in a cave and haven't heard of Daniel Corden, then go check out his work. You will be blown away, I promise you. But thanks a lot for listening and make sure again, hit the subscribe button and I'll see you guys on the next podcast.